Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of A Good Drop, where each week and every week we travel around the world and find out what each country does with their alcohol. Yeah, and in this episode, we're in Australia, both literally and uh, metaphorically. Well, talking about Australian drinks. Yes. Why you should try them and how they're different. Uh, I'm Stu. I'm Michael. Cheers. Cheers. Tuning in, guys. I think first off, we just—I'm just going to say that today we're drinking two uh, Australian spirits. One is from the New World Distillery, which we've talked about before, and the other one is from uh, Vantage. It says Vantage Australia. Mm, Not and sure that which is, that is literally the company that makes it. Hmm. There Vantage. You go. Um, it is not a gin, but almost a gin. Uh, same style, just not wi- oh. made with juniper berries. Um, I was wrong. Hmm? It's from the Spirit of a Nation, Petrarchy Limited. There you go. Yeah, so Vantage from the Spirit of a Nation. There you have it. And yeah, it, it's a good one to, to start on Vantage, I think, for our episode on Australian takes on other drinks. Because what, what it is, what we know that it definitely is, is a herbal spirit. It's a gin-style beverage. Yeah, so it is technically not a gin because it does not contain juniper berries. It's very, uh, very alcohol-smelling, and but you can definitely smell a lot of the uh, herbly, herbal and uh, bush botanical notes. Oh yeah, definitely, and uh, yeah, they call it an infused botanical spirit which is literally what it says on the label, is described as being light and fresh on the palate with Tasmanian mountain berries, Australian lemon myrtle, and Australian mandarin oil blended to create a unique crisp taste. Now, they say that the Australian lemon myrtle imparts a fresh and cooling sensation in the mouth, while the aromatic flavor concentration... And complexity imparts a soft citrus undertone and aroma with a smoky bush flavor. Now, they also say that the Tasmanian mountain berries, the Tasmanian mountain pepper berries, are blended to add a peppery back of the throat warmth and delicate spice, while the Australian mandarin oil helps balance the drink by sweetening and highlighting the lemon myrtle citrus undertones and uh, complementing the pepperberries to give a pleasantly smooth aftertaste. Now, this drink has actually won several awards in the last couple of years. It uh, won a gold medal at the 2017 San Francisco World Spirits Awards. Hmm. That's a good, good, uh, good sign. Yeah, and uh, it won... Second place gin martini in the 2019 World Cocktail Championships. Gin martini. It's not a gin, though. And then it also, at the BTI Chicago World Cocktail Championships, won the gold for world's best gin martini. Hmm. 
So, despite not actually being a gin, when used in a gin martini, it apparently works better than gin. Hmm. Well, the only difference in uh, this drink between it and a gin is the lack of juniper berries. It's essentially the same drink. Yeah, it does taste a lot like gin. Yeah. Um, there's It's very nice. The, mm. the, they're right on the uh, lemon myrtle and mandarin oil flavors. For sure. Yeah, and it's it's sweet and it's smooth. And yeah, it's got that little bit of a burn and that immediate warming sensation. Mm. It's not as uh, bitey as I expected. You know, it smells like it would kick you in the teeth. Mm. Not this one. No, because it's it's not like it doesn't smell nice. Like you can smell the, the botanicals and the sweetness and the fruitiness, but... It's also quite clearly an alcoholic yeah. drink. Yes, it smells very <laughs> alcoholic, like, like you first said. So yeah. it's surprising that it doesn't taste that alcoholic. Hmm. They have balanced it well to be as smooth as they say. Yeah, I'm very impressed. Um, how much does this go for at our favorite bottle shop? Um, it's about $70 a bottle. So this is uh, between good drop and top drop yeah, territory. Yeah, between good and top territory, yeah. And I would probably... Just from tasting it, like this, I could easily see choosing this over another gin. Mm. It has the sort of flavor profiles that I generally find myself looking for in a gin, Mm. just without that distinctive juniper taste. Yeah, and I guess you could definitely uh, pick this if you don't like that juniper flavor, but like the other parts of gin. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, while this isn't technically a gin, and there are a lot of Australian-made gins that contain juniper and are technically a gin, Mm. this, I think, is a very distinctly Australian, not just take on a botanicals-based liquor, but also alternate version of a gin. Mm. Yeah, and I I think Australia needs more spirits like this. We need more spirits using native botanicals because... We have a distinctive uh, array of plants. Oh, yeah. There's so many things that grow here that not only aren't native to anywhere else, but just wouldn't grow anywhere else. Yeah. And they have a they have a particular scent, which is easily recognizable, like eucalyptus, for example. I don't know if you can get eucalyptus spirits, um, but... Just having a eucalyptus tree surrounding the plants that you're harvesting from still imparts a note. Yeah, absolutely. And certainly lemon myrtle, while it has a slight lemonness to it, has a very distinct flavor that you wouldn't get from using lemon zest or some other kind of citric element. No, it's, it's softer. It's a softer lemony flavor. Yeah. Yeah, and even that... Um, peppery warmth that they describe from the Tasmanian pepper berries. Mm. I, I don't think I've quite tasted anything like that in a drink before either. Yeah. Yeah. So comparing this to, say, a... What would, what would be the closest? A London Dry would probably be the closest style to this drink. What do you reckon? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Like This isn't particularly dry. No. But flavor-wise, if we're talking like the the flavor notes, yeah. Mm. Or dry gin, at least. Mm. Um, yeah, it's very similar. I would say that it's 
herbier than the gins I've had so far. Maybe slightly more uh, floral, more herby. Mm, I think possibly a little sweeter as well. Mm. It's not excessively sweet. You wouldn't drink it and go, this is a sweet drink. But if you compare it to, yeah, like a London dry gin or something, it's definitely sweeter than that. Mm. Absolutely. Um. So at um, so at the moment, we're drinking it neat. Mm. And we will, as we often have wanted to do, later drink it with ice to see what difference temperature makes to it because as as you would know from listening to us previously temperature makes a difference to the flavor profile of a drink yeah i don't know whether it needs it though like it's smooth enough that you can go without oh absolutely but um i'm curious to see what it does aren't you yeah like i'm i'm curious to see what making it cool does i mean obviously it would make it more viscous because it always Makes alcohols more viscous when you when you chill them slightly. Let me add a break and I can drop some ice cubes in our glasses. Alright, we have some ice cubes. I'm going to swirl it around a little bit to increase the speed it chills. Um, immediately it's hidden the... First impression is that it's hidden the ethanol smell, that, that alcohol um, burn on the nose. Yeah, and it's very much bringing the sweeter botanicals to the fore. Mm. Yeah, much, much nicer, much uh, softer to smell. Yes. Um, Tasting-wise, it's very similar. Yeah, I'm actually surprised at how little difference there is. Yeah. Well, it does say... Best serve chilled on the bottle. So this is probably the... Uh, well, this is definitely the uh, manufacturer's recommendation, the, the distiller's recommendation of how to drink it. Mm, and, and certainly, yeah, it smells better, but it seems like it makes almost no difference to the taste at all. Mm. But the uh, the bite is has been much reduced. Yeah, it's still got that warming sensation on the back end and you still get those very pleasant aftertastes and the subtlety is still there. Yeah, but it doesn't kick your teeth in. Yeah, it, it doesn't feel like it's dulled the flavor profiles mm. at all. It's just... Maybe a smidge. It doesn't taste quite as citrusy anymore. Mm. But it did take some of the bite out of it as well. Not that it had a lot of bite to begin with. No. Oh, no. But the bite that was there has been reduced even further it's yeah it's really nice to just sip over ice mm. um alternatively instead of having a giant uh ice cube that, like i've got you could pour it over a lot of smaller ones and stretch it out even further yeah true yeah not bad well I'm, I'm... I, i'd probably get it again give it a eight out of ten Yes, no, I, I will also happily give this a high recommendation. I'm trying to think how many bottle caps I've given my favorite gin so far. I think it was probably nine. Because I want to give this more than that. I think, oh, really? I think I like this as much as the the best gin I've had. Mm. So probably, 
Yeah, whatever I gave that, I think probably a nine. <laughs> it seems like a nine. I, I could see this in nine territory, comparing it to other gins. Yeah. And your know, herbal liquors. I am quite a fan of it. Mm. It um, obviously just coming off our hundredth episode or hundred two year anniversary episode where I raved about the chartreuse. That was very very herby, like a, a savory herby. This yeah. is more of a sweet herby, if that makes sense. Yes, yeah, true. I mean, if I was given the choice between this and chartreuse, I would have this every time. <laughs> of course, you would. You like gin. Yeah, that's true. Jin was right up there. That yeah. is true. All right, guys, we're about halfway through the episode, so it's time to switch these drinks around. We'll finish these off in our own time and uh, pour some whiskey. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Several hours later. <laughs> Several hours. Uh, so... Now that we have uh, swapped drinks, we have the Starward Nova Australian whiskey in front of us. This is uh, matured in red wine barrels. And it is a single malt. Mm. But of course, it would be. They only have the one distillery. Yeah. I think quite often they're also single barrel, just because it's such a small uh, production but they don't advertise it because it's not consistently single barrel. It's just usually single barrel. Yeah. Hmm. Very, very nice. It's it's nice stuff. This is uh, top drop territory. It's 90-something dollars a bottle. Australian, of course. Mm. And but- I, I have uh, had the Star Wars whiskey several times before at, at a recent, um, oddly enough, recent cheese and wine event. Mm. Star Wars was there. Mm with whiskies giving tastings of their whole range nice of whiskies and believe me i tasted them all <laughs> and they were all good so i'm looking forward to having the nova again mm. yeah it's i haven't had this particular one but i've had starwood whiskey before and it's very good very good so um so it's australian style Australian whiskey. I haven't been able to track down or find anything on which style of whiskey it is, um, but I'm getting the feeling it is Scotch style. Mm, of course, we have to say Scotch style because mm. we can't call it Scotch because it's not made in Scotland. No, it's made in Australia. But that's that's the whole point of this episode, talking mm. about things in a different style made here. Yeah, that's exactly it. And how this compares to, say, a Glenfiddich or a Glenlivet or Glen something. Yeah, depending on which style it's in. I mean, we'll we'll taste in a moment and mm. then we should be able to roughly put our finger on what style it's in. Yeah. And so uh, whiskey, like Scotch whiskey, for example, has a lot of... Areas, there's a whole pile of areas, and the flavors differ between them. Like you've got Speyside, Highlands, Lowlands, Islay, um, they all have their own unique flavor. So, even if it is uh, made in the Scotch style, 
it's going to be different just because the local environment is far different from Scotland. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, each of those styles, it's still uniquely Scotch mm. in, in every sense. Like You wouldn't drink a Highlands Scotch and be mistaken for thinking that it was an Irish whiskey. No. It's a whole different... Irish whiskey is a whole different flavor profile. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So we, we should know soon enough, and now we'll taste. Here goes. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, it's definitely Scotch yeah, style. Yeah, just from the smell straight up. It's mm. got that it's got that spice to it that you expect to smell from a from a Scotch. Wow. Very bitey. <laughs> oh yeah. Um but that, oh. I'm not surprised to be honest, because it's forty one percent. It's gonna be bitey. Um Yeah, it... It tastes like a Scotch whiskey, but like I've started to notice from Australian alcohol, alcoholic beverages, it's fruitier, it's more herby, more floral than the European counterpart. Yeah, and it's got, I would say, a significantly softer, smoother aftertaste than you might get from... A Scottish Scotch. Oh, yeah. Mm. Like, for example, a, a really peaty Scotch have a slight bitter aftertaste. Yeah. Um, this is smooth. Like, once you get through the bite, it's smooth sailing down the back of your throat. Yeah, I mean, it's almost a case of wanting to sit on it and wait for the flavor to dissipate entirely out of your mouth before having, having a second the next one. bit yeah. because the tastes that come after that initial mouthful are so smooth and subtle and mm. complex, I suppose you could say. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very nice. Um suppose I'll say a bit more about this. Yep, so there's, there's a thing on the back of the bottle. Yeah. So the whiskey character, it's berry, chocolate, and spice. So there's definitely spice. Oh, yeah. Pick that up immediately on De- the nose. Definitely and, berries mm. as well. Um, but not. I don't know about chocolate. Well, I, I feel like there's sort of... Because there was a flavor I couldn't quite put my finger on. Now that you say berry and chalk, it is kind of like those chalk berry chocolates, like the chalk-coated... Berries. Okay. Like where you've got dark chocolate coated berries, that's kind of a taste that I couldn't put my finger on, but that's what I could most closely describe it as. Yeah. Okay. I can see. I can see that. So, uh, on the back of the bottle, it says uh, Starward began with a simple idea a whiskey unshackled from tr- tradition. Starward Nova is elementary, uh, element. Elementally, elementally matured in red wine barrels inherited from Australian wineries. We re, re, I can't talk anymore. We refill the, the barrels with minimal intervention to retain the flavour, texture, and essence of Australian red wine and oak. The result is a truly unique single malt whiskey that reflects the place it is made. Uh, well, it's made made in Melbourne, and Melbourne. Weather is quite chaotic in the best of times. 
Yeah, it is a city described as having four seasons in a day. Mm. And that does, as we've mentioned in uh, in some of our wine episodes, result in some very interesting characteristics being imparted on the things growing there. Mm, absolutely. So there's not... there's It's honestly hard to find information on Australian-specific whiskies because it's very, very new to the distilling world. Yeah, I mean, we actually found it difficult to find information on the Australian distilling of anything. Yeah. Because, sadly, most of the searches about Australia and alcohol will result in results telling you how much Australians drink. <laughs> and I mean, they're not yeah. wrong, but when you're trying to find history, it's it's challenging. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it makes sense that you know, Australians love their alcoholic drinks. So naturally, we would go, I like this. I'm going to try and make it. Mm. And that there's a lot of these smaller boutique distillers popping up is really good. But the the really surprising thing is how successful they're being considering how much tax is on alcohol, whether it's imported or produced locally. Yeah, that... That surprised me the most when I read about that, that it's the same tax whether you uh, import it or make it. So, I mean, it effectively creates a fairly level playing field between imports and locally produced items. Mm, But really, we should be skewing the playing field towards locally produced stuff. Yeah, I mean, I see as as a slight positive if there's a positive to be found it's that it forces the locals to compete at the same level Mm. and to have to be as good or better than what's coming in from overseas absolutely um so australia has a bunch of uh whiskey distillers but and and gin distillers too Mm. that gin is Australian gin is a lot cheaper than Australian whiskey. Holy shit. Yeah, no, it really is. Yeah. Um, the So, style, the cheapest Australian whiskey I've seen so far is about runs about $60 a bottle. Now, um, I, I guess part of that may come down to the alcohol percentage is generally higher in whiskeys than it is in gins. I mean, it's a difference of like 5%. Yeah, which... Doesn't seem like a lot, but you know, at about you know eighty five dollars per liter of alcohol, <laughs> I guess five percent over however many gigaliters they're producing. I suppose it makes it about three dollars extra in tax. Yeah, and then if they want to, you know, really make some money, which of course they do, which they, of course they do, and. <laughs> They're in it to make money. Yeah, and whiskey is more popular than gin, so if they can get away with charging more, they will. They're a business. Well, that that is changing, actually. Gin is becoming very, very popular in Australia, uh, more so than whiskey. And I think, in part, that is because the there's a lot more flexibility with uh, the ingredients, the botanicals in gin. So they can really make... A, a gin that's uh, uniquely Australian and 
distinctly Australian. Mm. And they can play around with it and find a unique flavour for their brand. Mm. Whiskey, it's a lot harder to because you got to age it in a barrel. you got to uh, have a, a certain percentage of uh, grain alcohol before you age it. It all sort of reduces the options for ingredients. Yeah, and I guess in that regard that you have to age it and you have to store it, it would make it more expensive to produce. Mm, definitely. Gin, you don't need to age it at all. You generally don't age gin. Yeah, you, you make it and you bottle it and you sell it straight away. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, one of, one of the... the um, the advantage of, well, one of the advantages Australian whiskey distillers have over the uh, imports is that because we're still very small fry, most of the bottles, as I mentioned before, most of the bottles tend to be single barrel uh, whiskies, not just single malt. Yeah, and that makes for a much better flavor profile. Yeah, much well, certainly much less consistent, but much more nuanced. Mm. Definitely, because you don't blend all these super subtle flavors. You get, you know, 20 subtle flavors instead of 10. 10 uh, slightly less subtle flavors when you mix them. Yeah, so it lets them make for a, a more interesting drink, but you could end up... You know, we could buy a... Star Wars Nova whiskey again in six months and it would taste subtly different to this. Mm, definitely. Because it's made from a different batch. And one of the things they actually put on the bottle is the batch number. They put the uh, the bottle code so you can look up your bottle online and see which batch it came from. Mm, that's a nice a, touch. Yeah, nice touch. And uh, uh, so, I sorry. guess we should try it with ice. Oh, yeah. Because we are currently drinking it neat. Yes. Um, and we should also talk about beer as well. Yes. Beer and uh, wine. Yeah, and of course we have uh, sort of mentioned wine previously when we talked about port. Because, obviously, port has to be made in Portugal, but in Australia we have tawny, which is still made in the port style. Mm. We just can't call it port. That's it. That's it. All right. Now we have some ice cubes. Doing the same thing. Swallow it around. And the the note Mm. has changed. It smells a little... Sweeter, a little smoother. Yeah. Smells like a whiskey on the rocks. Yeah, it, it does. <laughs> Doesn't even smell like an Australian whiskey on the rocks. You could give this to anybody and say, smell this. And they'd go, it's a whiskey. Not sure where it's from, but it's a whiskey. Yeah, it's lost a lot of subtlety. Um, but it is easier to drink, for sure. Yeah, a lot of, oh, a lot of bites come out of it, but it's still got that kick in the back of the throat Mm. and it still tastes a little more floral a little more berry and chocolatey than you'd expect from a scotch 
Yeah, and those aftertastes are, are still there, but they seem more subdued. I I think I was enjoying it more before. Mm. But the, mm, the chocolate has come, the chocolate notes have come out a little more strongly, though. Yeah, that's that's true. But I think it's almost throwing the balance off mm. by bringing those chocolate notes forwards. Well, I wouldn't say it's thrown it off. It's definitely changed it. Uh, it's still really nice. Oh yeah, um, but it's different. So take that as you will. Yes, and I guess talking about taking things, if anybody overseas wants to take a bottle of this, it is undoubtedly cheaper for you to buy than it was for us. Yeah, which is hilarious. So and do, frustrating. Yeah, so do um, try it if you can find it, mm. because these are both. Delicious. Both fantastic drops. Now, as we threatened before, let's talk about the difference in beers and wines. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of similarities. There's a lot of similarities in that a lot of the IPAs made by craft brewers in Australia now are made in the American IPA style. Mm. So, you know, that's a very similar thing. And we are making stouts in the... Russian stout style, and we are making... Which is also the American craft beer style. Yeah. Because the American craft brewers revamped that as well. Yeah, exactly. So, But they they still definitely have a distinctly different taste. Like, I've drunk American IPAs from American companies, and mm-hmm. you know, American lagers, like Miller's, that are nice... If you want to drink a lager, mm. <laughs> but very different to Australian lagers that you might put at the same standard. Yeah, like for example, the current most popular drink in Brisbane, in Queensland, Australia, is made by the Forex Brewery. Apparently, Queenslanders can't spell beer. Um, the like, well, just Australian lagers in general. They're all. Very, uh, very refreshing, very light, very easy to drink. Um, still, you know, fairly boozy, like four and a half to five percent for a full strength beer. Yeah, and they, they tend to have, uh, I suppose, robust but simple flavor profiles. Mm. Um, and I guess lagers specifically are just smoother, they're very light on bitterness, so they don't. Uh, overload your palate on a hot day because it gets very hot here. It it does. So, yeah, naturally, the most popular drink in the country, well, the most popular beer drink in the country, being lager, is altered here in such a way that it is at its best when served ice cold. Mm. Yeah, you wouldn't want to drink a lager warm, an Australian lager warm. No, or even because the... (laughs) Even when it's just lightly chilled, it's not as good as when it's ice cold. Hmm. And I think the uh, Australian pale ales and IPAs, basically the Australian style of beer uh, takes advantage of that as well. Like people are used to drinking beer ice cold. Yeah, I mean, we, we've especially designed tap systems to be able to pump the beer out as cold as possible without frosting over. Yeah, <laughs> which is amazing. 
there's even a whole pile of DIY methods you can do to get the same effect uh, if you have your own keg. Um, so, I don't know of many Australian cider companies aside from maybe Johnny Appleseed. There's uh, Small Acres Cider and uh, St. Ronan's uh, Red Sales as well. Hmm. And um, I believe uh, a number of others. It is hard to, I suppose, hard to find where things like cider are from because it's not something where people seem to particularly care about the origin of it. No. And I have to admit, I don't generally drink a lot of cider. So my experience with that is very limited. I couldn't tell you, I wouldn't know that if there's a difference or not between an Australian brewed uh, cider versus a, say, European brewed cider. Mm. Actually, it occurs to me now that we've we've drunk Australian cider literally on the podcast. The, you have, yeah. The Little Creatures Pipsqueak yeah. is, is an Australian cider as well. I'm, I would hazard a guess that Strongbow is an Australian cider. Yes, I think it probably is. Um, but honestly, couldn't tell you if there's any difference between that and an import, because I have no idea. As as you said, we don't got, know which ones are. Yeah, I, I, I'm guessing Recorder League is imported. No, nah, it's made by Coca Cola Amatil, and it's made locally. Yep, but it's not Australian owned. <laughs> no, well, no. Coca Cola is an international brand. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's not an Australian cider. It might be mm. made here, but it's not Australian per se. No. Now. Australian wine, that is world class. Yeah, and that is far more expensive overseas than it is in Australia. Not because of taxes or anything, but because of... Transport. Transport and the basic economics of supply and demand. Mm. It's in low supply overseas. The demand is high. They charge what they like. Mm. And in Australia, it's demand is high, but supply is higher. Yeah, Mm. And so that brings it down, though you get your um, your smaller, more boutique wineries that supply is low, demand for that sort of wine is quite high, so they you know can charge thirty forty dollars a bottle for mm. a wine that admittedly is worth it <laughs> well, you'd want to hope so at forty dollars a bottle so you you've I can't really speak on this, but you've drunk a lot of wine. Can you tell the difference between an import and a locally made one? Um, I think I can. I mean, the uh, was it last week I was drinking a uh, last week I was drinking a Malbec from France, mm-hmm. and it was okay. <laughs> but it wasn't as good as the Australian Malbecs I've had. And right. I think the easiest way to tell if it's a wine from here or not is, is it rubbish? <laughs> no, that's, that's probably not fair. That's a little harsh. <laughs> it's, it's probably not fair because I have had some absolutely delicious champagne. Yeah. Well, I've had a Tempranillo that's, a, that's imported from Spain and it is fabulous. Yeah. So I think with, with wine, it's hard to tell mm. because... To make it in that style, it needs to taste very much like that. Like because it's made with that grape, it's going to have 
those similarities and because they only ever grow those grapes in the areas where they're going to produce the best outcome mm. yeah it's it's difficult to tell okay I, so th- there's no, no uh distinctly australian note that you'd you'd find versus a uh spanish wine or a italian wine or a oh, french I think wine the, the Australian ones, because of the, the hotter climate and the broader changes in temperature, mm. will always get the characteristics that come from that because your European wines are grown in a temperate zone. Mm. So there's not a lot of temperature change and the flavor of the wine shows it. But I don't really drink enough wine that isn't grown in Australia mm. to be able to say 100% yes, I'd be able to tell. Yeah. There, there was one wine we did an episode on. I remember saying something about the the fact that it's grown in Australia means it gets both the I think it might have been Pinot uh, Pinot Grigio um, gets both the uh, no it was earlier than that gets both the uh, characteristics from a hot climate and a cool climate because the temperature swings are so big. Yeah, yeah. so you end up with these broad, complex flavour profiles. I mean, theoretically, I'd be able to tell the difference. Theoretically. <laughs> like the, That's a good theory. Like the, the Malbec that I had the other day that was good but not great mm. and certainly not as good as the Malbecs I'd had previously, I think it was that it was just really simple, mm. that it didn't have the broad, complex flavour profile that an Australian Malbec has for for those exact reasons that, you know, the grapes grown in Australia get the best of both worlds. They get the best of what you come, what comes from growing it in a cold climate and the best of what comes from growing it in a hot climate. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, I think that's pretty much it for the episode though. We've, uh, we've run the whole gamut from spirits to beer to wine. Yeah, so that uh, just brings us to the plugs and then telling you what we're talking about next time. Mm. So if you if you liked what you heard, uh, be sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. You can find us on your favourite uh, podcast service, including Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play Music, uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, we are a good drop all about alcohol. Look for that beer icon. Yeah, you can also find us on the socials, Facebook and Instagram as A Good Drop Podcast. Um, And if you want to check out our backlog of previous episodes, you can go to our admittedly a little basic website. (laughs) Uh, It's agooddrop.com.au. And if you've got any comments, questions, feedback, suggestions for future episodes, you can shoot us an email to agooddrop at gmail.com. Yeah, and now uh, for our next one, it's going to be an interesting one. Winter drinks. Yes, thank you. We are talking about winter drinks because not for us, but for the majority of our listeners, Mm. the weather is getting cooler and there's a certain type of drink that you're going to want to be getting into and we're going to talk about it. Yeah, things you can drink hot, things that warm your soul. Yes. And I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, I mean, things that even if you drink them cold will warm you up. Yeah. I think we're going to have to crank the air conditioning for this one. So yeah. we're sitting there shivering in our jumpers and 
sitting sitting here shivering in our hoodies, sipping a, a hot uh, mulled wine or something. <laughs> yeah, so uh, be sure to tune in for that one. Yeah, looking forward to it. Until next time, cheers. cheers. <laughs>